It's good to see everybody here this morning, and um, I know that I'm looking forward to this time together. So, how many of you have watched any of the Olympics? A good deal, but some of you know. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I have watched it just occasionally as I've been uh, going about the work that I have to do, and um, but I, I was particularly in the beginning interested in this one uh, gymnast, Simone Biles, who was a gymnast for the United States. And uh, she had mentioned that she was having a great deal of difficulty with her mind coordinating with her body. She said that... Um, she, she called the term the twisties. And so um, she said that um, um, she said that the twisties is something gymnasts experience when they lose their feeling of where they are in the air. Simone described it in People magazine. She said she literally cannot tell up from down. I have no idea where I am in the air. I also have no idea how I'm going to land or what I'm going to land on. You can understand that, why that might be difficulty for a gymnast. Um, she also said that she felt like her mind and her body were not in sync. And um, I, I was thinking about that experience and I have never been a gymnast and um, never ever really had a desire to be one. But I, when I was growing up, I lived in California and was very close to the beach and was in the ocean a lot. And I remember just as a child being tumbled by the waves and that feeling of complete disorientation. You had no idea which way was up, which way was the ground, which way was the air. And I loved that experience as a child. I don't think I'd like it very much now. <laughs> but it was a great experience growing up, just letting yourself go. But if I were in the air, depending on where I was going to land, that would be a problem for me. So um, she, as you may know if you watch that, did withdraw from a lot of the events that she was going to be in because of this this problem that she was experiencing. And, um, but I thought about this term because it very nearly describes some of what I've been feeling during this time of COVID. That I just felt disoriented, um, unsettled, as though there was no way to know how to prepare for what was gonna come. And, um, the next thought, of course, was to me, well, it's a good opportunity to continue to put my trust in God because he surely knows where everything is going and what's happening. But I wasn't frightened or worried, just fully aware that things were not like they were. And I suspected that things were never going to be like they were again. So I began to think, well, maybe that might be a good thing because there were many thing in the, in things in the world of 18 months ago that I would like to be changed. 
More people, I would love to have more people recognizing the truth of God and that Jesus loves them and died for them so that we can all be reconciled to him. And possibly those circumstances of a COVID might draw people closer to God, make them think about him. Then it occurred to me that every set of new circumstances is an opportunity for helping people to come to know God. But how do we do that? What about how I see things in these new circumstances? Do I need to change in order to be able to adapt better and talk to people better? So I just want to get back to Simone Biles for just a minute. But further on in the interview, Simone uh, was asked, how does she help herself get out of the twisties? She said that it was a day-to-day process and that sometimes it took up to two weeks to do that. And she couldn't go without practicing for two weeks. So what did she do then? And she said, I just get back to the basics. So I thought to myself, discipline, that's what she has. To me, that's what every gymnast has. And I just cannot believe the amount of of effort that people put in to hone their bodies. And I think that we need to put in the same amount of effort to hone our minds and our thoughts to what God wants us to do. So we're going to put a little bit of time in today to get back to the basics. And I honestly don't expect that I will tell you anything new today that you don't already know. But I think it is well worth going over what we know so that we can reaffirm to ourselves what we know of God, what we believe of him, and who he is to us. So that's what we're going to do today. So the first thing and the most basic question that I always ask myself is, what do we know is true? Now, I don't know about you, but in this time of COVID, I've been having a really difficult time trying to gather and assume that what I've heard is true. Because listening to the newscasts, one day you'd hear somebody say something, the next day you'd hear an equally authoritative person say something completely different. And I was very frustrated with that. had no idea really what to believe. And so, obviously, the whole thing is in God's hands, and that's basically where I left it. Because I couldn't figure out what people were saying and whether it meant to be alarmed or not to be alarmed or whatever. And so, we don't want to think about what is true is coming across to us through the airwaves, whether it be the radio, the television, on your cell phone, in your email, whatever. We want to think about what is universally true that's been true forever, will be true forever. What can you think of that is true, was true millennia and millennia ago, and still is true now, will be true forever? What is true? This is not a hard question. (laughs) Well, God is the only one who is true. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said that. He was talking about himself and he was talking about God. God is true. And he will be true. He has been true forever. He has been real forever. He has existed forever. And he will be true forever. Now, um, I want you to go to, if you have your Bibles with you, or on your cell phone, whatever, I want you to go to um, Psalm 46, and we're especially going to talk about verse 10, but that entire psalm is one of my favorite ones, because it talks about utter chaos. It talks about mountains falling. It talks about nations in an uproar. It talks about kingdoms falling. It talks about the earth melting. And then it gets to verse 10. And verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Some of you, I'm sure, have memorized that verse. And in the midst of all of that, and that's some pretty serious stuff that's going on, and things that would cause us problems if it were happening right here in our country. may even cause us problems with people that are overseas, and all of that is going on even now. And yet, God says, be still and know that I am God. So I think to myself, what does God want us to know about him that will cause us to have the peace the serenity, the comfort that we want, that we need in circumstances like right now. So what do you think some of those things are? Who has an idea? If you do, just say it out. I'll hear it, and then I'll repeat it so that everyone can hear it. Say it a little bit louder, Mary. He keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. What a great thing. Good. What else? Go ahead, John. All governments are failing right now. Okay, well, that is true. Good. What else? God loves us. I mean, what a great thing to remember all the time. Yes, good. What else? He's enough. Amen. Yes, he is enough. Good. What else? Go ahead. He'll never leave us alone. Excellent, yes. All of these are great. What about the fact that God's in control? What about the fact that God is creator? He made everything. I mean, can you imagine the power, the design skills, the creativity that it took to make the universe? let alone each one of us. I mean, oh my goodness. Isn't that just amazing about God? And, and not only is he creator, but he, he's sustainer too. 
Does he sustain us? Yes, he does. Good. Well, you know what? I, I thought to myself, I'm going to have to make a list. So I started my list. And I've only just begun. Because this is, is when we think about who God is and what he, what he is to us and what he wants us to know about him so that we have the peace, the security that we absolutely need during these times, then the list becomes extensive. It really just is amazing what he has done and who he is and what we can draw on and believe in because God is real. He is true. There's not very many things in this world that are real and true. Okay, so on top of that, God has a plan. He's implementing that plan. God has, he knows everything. He is everywhere, and he's got all power. He is holy and righteous. Thank God for being holy and righteous, because there isn't much on this earth that is holy and righteous. And so Jesus told his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. And that was right before he gave us um, uh, the, uh, the challenge to go and tell everyone about him. But he said that all authority had been given to him. Well, somebody had to give that to him. God the Father gave it to him. And of course, he had to have all of that authority in order to give it to Jesus. And so that authority, all authority in heaven and on earth is God's. Sometimes it does not look like it. But it is true that all authority is in God's hands. And we can depend on that. So, if you believe the truth that God is in control and that he has all authority and that he is working all things for good to those that believe him and, and, are, and, and live according to his purpose. So if you believe that, does that help you to see a little bit better about where we are in this world and what our purpose is in this world. We're gonna talk about that because that is the next question. So, what are we supposed to do? What is, a, what is our job here that we are supposed to do? Now, you know this as well. So, what's the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, some, ver some different versions of that in the different Gospels either, sometimes replace mind with the world, word either might or strength, and sometimes they add it on. Sometimes there are four things. 
Basically, though, they all encompass the entire, the entire person because love the Lord your God isn't a job for part of us. It's a job for all of us, not only together as a group, but also all of us individually, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Now, the heart was thought in the times that the Gospels were written to be one's integrating center, the place where one's rational, emotional, and volition, or that means our will, faculties were. And um, it was the center of our personality. Then the soul was um, one's life, even to the point of giving one's life, was involved with the soul. The thinking, working, feeling person. And the soul animates the body. Then the mind, the seat of understanding, thinking, intellect, the power to think, reason with all of its functions, thoughts, ideas, convictions. And that is what the, uh, the heart acts according to the mind. And so when you think about all of those all together, you've got an integrated person in your whole self. There isn't a single bit of room any place else for if you give all of your heart to God, then you can't be detoured by something else. Now, I'm certainly not leaving out people's families and um, other concerns that God lays on our heart are definitely things that we need to, to think about, we need to be concerned about. But we need to love God with everything that we are. Everything that we are. Now, I know sometimes I have a tendency to be uh, drawn away by, uh, by cons other concerns. And that's not the right thing to do. God soon calls me back. But God alone is worthy to be loved in this way. Nothing else here on earth is worthy to be loved like that. Only God. So, we need to trust him completely. Now, um, I know that that's not easy to do, especially since we're such visual creatures. So we often get tied up with things that we see more than we get tied up with God. And we need to avoid that at all costs. And um, I know I've been in that mode at times. And God just calls me out of it because it's those things that we see are not long-lasting. They are not true. They are not true for eternity. They may be true for right now, but they are not true for eternity. God is the only one who is. So, what is our second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Good. Okay. So, when we love God completely, his love for others becomes really apparent to us. You can hardly love God without loving people. It just is almost impossible. So, um, 
you cannot help but understand the relationship that God has with each one of us. He wants with everybody. And the, the point is, so how do we go about doing that? If we love other people just like God does, then we'll want to tell them what a great God that he is. So the third thing, the first two are commandments. The last one is the commission. And what is the great commission? That's right. It should be right up here. Um, Carol, can you switch to the next one? That's right. So therefore, let's read it together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all the commandments I have given you. Surely I am with you always and to the very end of the age. All right. So we know this verse, these verses, very well. But um, I want to talk particularly about that first word that says go. It's, it sounds like a command, doesn't it? But it's not a command. It's a participle, and the participle means as you are going, you're to do this. So it doesn't mean that you have to move to a foreign country and tell all the other people there that God is who God is and that he loves them and that he died for them. But you can as you're going. means that as you're going to the grocery store, Walmarts, to work, to school, to sports, to practice, to the gym, to a friend's house, to working in the garden, to playing music, to making dinner, to cleaning the house, the garage, the car, maybe even in your room, to having fun with your friends. All of those things are times when that Great Commission is in force. Okay, that we have not only the privilege, but we have the responsibility to be sharing that with the people that we know and that we love. Now, how many of you know somebody who's not a Christian? I hope it's all of us. Because if it isn't, then we need to start making some new friends. Okay, because that's how we communicate with people. That's how we share with people is through being their friends and through showing them who God is in our lives so that they can experience what it's like to be a Christian and see um, what, the, what the wonderful things are that we can, um, that we can share with them and that we can have communion with not only God but the other people who are Christians. So... I don't think that I've really talked about anything this morning that we don't already know. However, sometimes it's important to be reminded of what the basics are. So we need to remember what God is true. We need to think about what is it God wants to know, wants us to know about him that will give us comfort and give us direction during this time when, when things are unsettled. 
and not firm. And so we need to return that love that God gives us with everything that is in us, all of our being. And so what will happen if we believe what we know is true and we do what we're supposed to be doing? Well, Psalm 37, verse 4, gives us an idea. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of people skip the first part of that verse and claim that he will give you the desires of, it, of your heart, no matter what they are. Well, no, that's not the truth. The truth is that if we delight in the Lord, now I love that word delight. It is just absolutely a wonderful word. What, just think about what delight means to you. It means pleasure, it means joy, it means happiness. And so if we delight in the Lord, if we enjoy the Lord, enjoy being with him, don't you love, don't you delight in being with people that you love? I do. And so let's delight in the Lord. And he will give us the desires of our heart. But you know what? When we love God and we are enjoying him with our whole being, his desires become ours. And that, of course, is the secret to that verse. Because when our desires match with God's will, then he will give them to us. And we can know his will by delighting in the Lord. So let's just take a time of prayer. Father, we so thank you that you are the one that we can rely on. You we can trust in. We're grateful, Father. Father, we thank you and we ask you to help us to be able to think about and understand what you, um, what you are and who you are and the wonderful things about you that sometimes we don't rely on, Lord, because we get too caught up. But Father, help us to love you with all of our hearts. Help us to love the people that you love with all of our hearts. And that's pretty much everybody. And Father, help us to follow your command. And help us, Lord, to delight in you. Just enjoy being with you. Father, what a beautiful day to practice that in is today. So, Father, we just thank you. We give you praise. And we pray that you follow us out. In thy name, amen.